0: Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive, home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Kids learn best. From what happens next the context isn't always important especially if it serves them well if i go to grandma's house and every time i go to grandma's house before i leave i say i want cookies and you say no 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 we're not gonna do that i throw a fit and grandma's like here's some cookies here's a bunch of cookies that child remembers that they know that but if you sit and wait and allow them to complete the crying cycle you have opened a door of their understanding that this isn't effective
2: Welcome to the PEDS Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that continues to grow because of you and your reviews, and a podcast where I get to welcome the most amazing guests to chat about all things parenting, child health, child development, and also parental mental health. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chris Lake, who is a young, childhood development expert and educator, founder of Behavior Booster, helping parents navigate challenging behavior and build on the desired behavior. And we're talking all about something I think everyone can use, tips to de-escalating tantrum. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chris.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mona. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: I am so excited. And I've also mentioned that I love having guests on my podcast and I love having males. Okay. Because a lot of the parenting space is dominated by white women. And I'm going to be very frank. I think that's wonderful that people are experts, but I love that we have diversity in the parenting space because it's so important. I think, you know, obviously fathers are parents too. And I'm so grateful that you could join me, that you submitted a request to come on the show and that we get to chat about this very important topic, which is de-escalating a tantrum. So Thank you basically for being a male and coming on the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's my pleasure. You know, it's funny too, when I decided to spread my wings and go from being a special educator to parent consulting, and especially from the perspective of being a content creator and and doing all the work online and IG where I'm filming myself and putting myself in that space, I noticed as well that it is dominated by a single demographic. And at first I was nervous. I said to myself, this might not be the proper space where you might not be received well, you might not be, not in any animosity-driven way, but just people might raise an eyebrow like, right, is this someone who's really reputable? And I realized, no, Chris, like the space needs diversity. The space needs yeah. different points of view and different ways of understanding. And I realized I get to change a narrative. I had a friend say that to me, like, Chris, you changed a narrative. Being a Black father and yeah. having this knowledge and sharing this information changes the narrative. So don't ever be concerned about what people think about you. And I ran with it. Thank you, Olga. I appreciate that.
2: Yes, I think that's such an important thing. And I know that's not why you're here to talk about the right, right, right. <laughs> But but I like to address the importance of that. And again, this is not to say that a certain demographic can't be parenting expert, but it's so important that people hear perspective from diverse voices. And I created this podcast for that reason. And it just happened that it hasn't happened much. I've had you're like the fourth male on my podcast, the first black male on my podcast. So, uh, or maybe second, but this is like really great for me. So I think it's so important. And I, as a person who's very passionate about content creation and parenting as well, I like to spread that love and that platform. So happy that you could join me. We already talked about that, but tell us more about yourself, why you found a behavior booster and what you do.
1: Certainly. So, I first started working with children with autism back in 2006 as a TA, teacher's assistant, and I immediately fell in love. I was actually offered a volunteer position, following my first experimental psych class at Queens College, and I've almost always worked with kids. This was my first time working directly with children who had diagnoses or special needs of any sort, and I just felt... This works so well for me. And the kids connected with me and I, I ran with it. Fast forward to about 16 years later, I have my daughter during a pandemic, which is the most fun time a new parent can have a child.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many questions to answer, mm-hmm. so many panics to suppress. And it happened. So one random day in December, my four month old child was sitting across from her grandfather at the table mm-hmm. and the simplest of things happened that for me was mind blowing. He simply looked at her and smiled and he tapped the table and she looked back at him and she in response, tapped the table. Mm -hmm. Now for most people, that's just a cute little moment. But for me, I paused and said, this is literally a program that I write for my students with autism to help them develop their imitation skills. Because if people aren't aware, that's a skill that's often a little bit delayed for kids who are on the autism spectrum. And literally I'm working with two and a half year old kids that I'm working to reinforce and train them to literally imitate tapping a table, that specific task. And my four month old did it. And so my brain said, okay, what I do for a job can be applied to just general parenting. I haven't really Mm -hmm. thought about how much value is in the knowledge that have accrued in the last two decades. And as she got older, she hit 10 months. And I thought to myself one day, I wonder if I could teach her how to point today. And I used the same skill sets from my discipline, Applied Behavior Analysis, to teach her how to point, And she got it. And yeah. I was tickle pink. And I said, OK, but Chris, this could just be a one off. You need a bigger sample size than just your daughter.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. So luckily, I had four friends who all had kids within literally the same month as my daughter. And so I reached out to all four of them. and I said, hey, is your kid pointing yet? They all said no. I said, OK, great. Do me a favor. Try doing this for the next two to three days and let me know if they start pointing. I called them back 48 hours later and three out of four of them said, yo, my kid's pointing now like that was like magic. And I knew I was onto something. Unfortunately, the one whose child didn't point turns out we'd find out about six months later she has level three autism. Mm. So. There was a reason why that invitation wasn't there. But again, my goal was when I realized this, I said, okay, I think I can make parenting easier. I know there's no guide or or manual for parenting, but in my brain, I think, but maybe we can kind of bridge the gap a little bit and get, you know, maybe we can try. That's my like life motto. Can we try? Maybe we can try. And- my specific discipline is using the specific phrases and using specific physical prompts to boost the kids' behavior, to increase their ability to hit milestones or to redirect behavior that they're not supposed to be doing, challenging behavior. And I realized that, and I've told staff forever, like when they first start, I asked any new staff in my building, I would say, why are you here? What made you sign up to work with kids with the most challenging behavior you can face? hmm And they have a variety of answers, but I always make sure they know you are going to face the most challenging. Some of these kids will hit you, spit at you, kick you, pull your hair, scratch you, bite you, throw toys, etc. Like you need to be prepared for that. You need to understand what you're signing up for. It's not just working with kids. This isn't just Play-Doh time. This is serious work. And so, you know, I see the look on her face and I can assess like, will you last or how long you're going to last? And most of them stick through it. And I, likewise encouragement. But again, after having my daughter, I realized I'm not just working with kids with autism and challenging behavior. I work with behavior and everyone has different levels of behavior and all mm-hmm. parents deal with different behavior, especially tantrums. And once I realized that every single day I'm diffusing mm-hmm. tantrums and every single day I'm de-escalating tantrums. And I said, Chris, you don't need to just do this for your job. You can write a book and you can give people the steps and you can expand. (laughs) So I went with it. I went with it. I ran with it. I wrote a book. I found a mentor who taught me how to write a book and I started and finished it in 10 weeks and then took about seven months to edit and format it. Uh, It's, um, how was it? Help your child to meet their milestones, 101 behavior hacks. And it gives parents specifically what to say and what to do in order to help navigate your kid to meet milestones, such as building communication, building manners, implementing rules and following rules, or to redirect challenging behaviors, such as picky eating, de-escalating tantrums, aggression, et cetera. And, you know, the tantrum aspect that parents deal with every day, I realize I am now on a mission to deconstruct this and make their lives easier because there's a certain universal nature to oh. how tantrums work. And that's why we're here, you know, to really explore that and share this with parents.
2: Oh, I'm so excited to get into that because yes, this is all, it's not just a simple, okay, do this, checklist, checklist. It's a whole relationship right. and it's a whole right. understanding of how are we building connection and how are we building that pathway of, I want you to continue to do this desired behavior, like you said, and not do the challenging behavior as much, obviously understanding that it's repetition and all that. So let's start there. You know, obviously I think everyone listening who has a toddler has been there. I know some parents deal with it more than others in terms of maybe more physical or maybe more prolonged tantrums, but just tell us, what should we do during a tantrum to deescalate it? And then we will talk about what not to do, but let's talk about what to do first. All
1: right. What to do? First and foremost is make sure your child is safe. So look. Look around the area the child is having a tantrum. Depending on how big their tantrum is, some kids will throw themselves on the floor. They'll kick. They'll flail the arms. If that's the case, make sure they can't kick anything. That will in turn, lead to something falling on them or knocking Mm -hmm. things over that will in turn hurt them and also make sure that they're not going to hurt anyone else, including you. Sometimes parents are okay with taking that L. Try to avoid just being okay with your child hurting you. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your child, et cetera. So first look, risk assess. Is there anything dangerous in this environment that I need to be immediately aware of? Because if that's the case, then you will need to physically move your child and we'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. Second thing you need to do, and this is the hardest part, parents, I'm with you on this. I understand how difficult this is, but... (laughs) There are disclaimers. It will get easier if you do the work and you need to do this work. And that is simply allow, okay? Allow your child to complete the cycle of crying. And this might sound like madness to someone who hasn't tried it, but all kids have an expiration time to their tantrum if Mm -hmm. you are willing to wait. And doing so does a number of things for the child. One, it allows them to actually emotionally process their feelings as opposed to having that step process, that internal process of processing being cut short by getting some sort of treat, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we're drawn to, oh, you know what, he's crying, just give him a cookie, just give him cocoa melon. just oh, give him your yes. phone. And that feels easier. That feels easier. However, what happens in this is that you're training your child to understand a certain behaviorally. If I tantrum, I'm going to get something I like. That's their takeaway. Kids learn best. From what happens next the context mm-hmm. isn't always important especially if it serves them well if i go to grandma's house and every time i go to grandma's house before i leave i say i want cookies and you say no 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 we're not gonna do that i throw a fit and grandma's like here's some cookies here's a bunch of cookies That child remembers that. They know that. But if you sit and wait and allow them to complete the crying cycle, you have opened a door of their understanding that this isn't effective. And the biggest takeaway that I want all parents to know when it comes to behavior is start to ask yourself, like, how does behavior work? Just asking yourself that question will start opening parts of your brain to analyze things here and there. All behavior continues as long as it is useful. All behavior continues as long as it is effective. Either one. So if a child wants melon and you say no melon, but instead you give them a Snickers bar that might not have been effective towards their initial aim, but it was useful. All right. But if a child tantrums and you wait out, you know, a minute and a half for them to finish and calm themselves down, they have learned this is not an effective or useful behavior. I'm just tired and I need a, I need a wipe. Mm -hmm. And after this happens, you're actually able to engage them. It's very difficult to engage a child when they're in the tantrum, because at that moment, a couple parts of the brain are really firing very fast. And it's going to be your amygdala, it's going to be the insula, and it's going to be the prefrontal cortex. And each of these are playing different parts. The amygdala is basically your threat detection system. Your kid's brain processes threats in a way that is going to raise temperature, it's going to release stress hormones, and they're going to. Not be in control. That's going to affect the prefrontal cortex, which is decision making and their insula, which is also the self-awareness and emotional processing is going to be thrown off by all of this. So while saying calm down or trying to explain yourself while they're in the throes of it feels like a good strategy, they're not receiving you. Their brain is literally Mm -hmm. out of control.
0: Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains
1: That's why I say allow them to finish. Now, once they do finish, you want to praise them for calming themselves down. When you give a kid this information, they now have a new understanding. Wait a second. I can calm myself down? Yes, you have the power to calm you down. You don't need anyone outside of you to feed your emotions. You've calmed yourself down. And after you've allowed this crying cycle, the next step is to give them an expression of kindness. And this is very important. It can't be understated. You want to validate their feelings. Even though parents, you might be annoyed to high heaven because it's time to leave the grocery <laughs> store or yes. you know, it's time to leave for fill in the blank. Whatever time delay your child is providing you through this tantrum. They are having a feeling that is very uncomfortable for them. And they are feeling a frustration that's very unsettling for them. And while we're annoyed, if you simply say like, time to go. I don't care. Let's get in the car. They are learning from their parents that my emotions don't matter, that my Mm -hmm. feelings don't matter. My bad feelings don't matter. My bad feelings I should be ashamed of, if anything. So when you give an expression of kindness, you are setting a stage that A, their feelings are validated and B, that if they have big feelings that are bad or uncomfortable, they can come to mom and still find comfort. They can come to dad and find comfort. An example of giving a kind expression is simply something as simple as You're very frustrated. I see that. You're really sad that you couldn't have it. I understand. I get sad sometimes too. Oh, you're really mad because the cell battery died. I get really mad when I want to watch a video too and I can't see it. I understand. I have that feeling too. It's okay to have that feeling. Following that validation, which is going to build sympathy and empathy for your child, you are now going to explain what the expectations are for the scenario. So you're not going to cave and say, okay, now you calm yourself down. Here's Cocomelon. You're going to say, "Right." even though you feel mad, it's still time to go, sweetheart. And when we get home, we could talk about what treats we have at home. Even though you want this cookie, we're not buying that today. And when we get home, you can earn something in our cupboard or what have you. You can Mm -hmm. redirect them towards something that's going to happen later. And this, again, establishes that you are the rule setter. This establishes that behavior is not effective or useful. And it still allows that room for the child to feel okay for having that feeling and not be embarrassed, but also understand that there's still things available. It's not that like, you no, know, and now my universe ends and I can never have anything good yeah. against it. There's something good that you can get a little later, just not right now. This isn't it. And, you know, there's some people who fly by the philosophy of never say no to a child. I am not one of those people. I
2: <laughs> saying <Same.
1: laughs> honestly, I don't know. For me, I'm always curious. What's the proof? Whenever I hear any philosophy, yeah. I always have. What's the proof that that's better for a child to develop into a young adult and adult that they never hear no until they leave the house? Is there proof? And, and yeah. uh, you know, if you can't show it to me, then I'm going to be very questionable because we hear no far more often than we hear. Yes. And I think it's mm-hmm. better to hear it from a healthy, kind way, than to face the world where it might not be so kind. So again, to review, and I you know jokingly refer to it as the lake method because I'm self aggrandizing and I'll admit it. <laughs> First, I might as well admit it. First step is to look, look around, risk assess. Second step, allow. Allow the child to finish their crying cycle. Third step is kindness. Okay. Give them some expression of sympathy and empathy that you understand that they have feelings or explain, I also have feelings like this too. And then fourth step is explain. Explain what behavior is expected. When you want something, this is how you ask. If you want something, this is not how to behave. I can stop my two and a half year old daughter in her tracks by simply saying, how do you ask? When she has a tantrum, I'm like, Mm-mm, how do you ask? And she's like, please? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, Thank you, thank you. And, um, you know, I warn parents, the, the allowing your child to have the tantrum is difficult at first, especially if you're in public, but I'm going to give you a deal. Here's the deal. If you go through this, the first time you let the child really finish that crying cycle, that's the longest you'll ever have to deal with it again. Mm-hmm, if it was, I agree. Right. Right. For that particular reason. And I tell parents, take, get a stopwatch out. As soon as you can start tantrum and get a stopwatch out. It's the most useful tool that I've found with my daughter, with other parents as well, because some parents don't realize their kid only has a 20 second fight in them and you're swooping to the rescue in 10 seconds. But mm-hmm. if you're like, how long can you cry? How long will you cry about this nonsense? Let's find out. Oh, a minute and 20 seconds. And now you're done. Great. Now you still have to hang up your jacket. And that's a little example that I have with my daughter, where she came home on Friday night and just for whatever reason this night refused to just take her jacket off and hang it up. And I said, oh, we're going to wait. Yeah. (laughs) Let us know when you're done. And it was a minute and 21 seconds on the nose. And then we never dealt with the tantrum about that ever again. And so that's the promise that I give you guys. If you go through that really crappy, sucky experience, whether it's public or private, it's the longest you'll deal with it. It's the strongest you'll deal with it. It's not a silver bullet disclaimer that doesn't mean they'll never have another tantrum ever again and you know all your problems are solved it means the next time if they do have a tantrum about that it will be shorter and you will be well equipped to deal with it because you know okay last time was two minutes but this time it's a minute okay last time was a minute now it's 45 seconds you gotta pay attention to trends because it might not be from two minutes to two seconds but you're going to see a decreasing trend until eventually it's gone because the child learns this isn't effective anymore okay how do i behave mom this is how you behave okay that's all i guess so thanks thank you for showing me the way. That's the key.
2: I love it. And it's okay that you use your name as an acronym because that's awesome. I love it. I love that. So <laughs> totally, totally own that. Okay. Your, 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 thank last you. name, your last name is worth an amazing <laughs> acronym that we won't forget. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I agree with you completely. I mean, so you said it perfectly that a lot of the times we just do not want to wait it out and it's easier to use the word cave or use the word Give them what they cry for when that again, pattern recognition is going to teach them, oh, this was pretty easy. I just cried and and it happens with in-laws. So like my in-laws came recently and Oof. oh my, like, Oof. and it's and literally we're in that room and my mother-in-law is like watching my son cry and she turns to me in front of him and says, just give it to him. Yep. And I'm like, yep. oh. Oh, I'm, like, I'm texting my my own mother-in-law's testing my boundaries in front of my child. And its kind kindly say, mom, we're not going to give that to him right now. He can have his feelings. Let him sit there. Mm-hmm. We're here for him. But it's so important because like you said, they will move through it and they have to have that safety and saying, okay, I'm going to be upset. But yeah, there are boundaries here that I'm not going to cry to get what I want. And I love what you mentioned about switching the communication style, right? Like, Meaning if they are whining or crying or using phrases or ways to get our attention, you say with your daughter... And you said beautifully, is that the way we want to communicate? Or is that the way you want to tell me? Can you find another way of communicating that with me? It's so powerful because it teaches them communication skills too. And so not only are we allowing them to feel the feelings, we're allowing them to also understand here's how we communicate in our home. And it's a loving space. I love you. I appreciate you. But we got to hang up the jacket. We got to do certain things and you're going to survive. We're all going to get through this. Right.
1: Right. Right. Oh man. And the alternative, unfortunately, like if when you go through it, right. Um, And I talked to a parent about this. She said she had a similar experience in a grocery store where she let her child cry through it. And she, you know, acted a fool for like a couple of minutes, I think it was like five minutes. And she felt like it felt like Mm -hmm. forever, but I let her finish. And then she said she went to the grocery store again later that month and she had a similar tantrum, but it was just one minute. And Mm -hmm. then she never dealt with it again, literally never dealt with it again with her daughter, who's now a teenager. And she didn't even think about The fact she wasn't dealing with anymore until a friend asked her like a year later, how do you deal with, you know, when your kid has a tantrum in the grocery store and she like remembers like, oh, I actually don't. I don't have to deal with that at all. Yeah. Because I let her go through it. And that's the thing. You're trading time one way or another. You either take that time to deal with it or it's going to be drawn out across months to years, depending on your kid.
2: I love it. And you already mentioned, I think by talking about what to do, I think all the stuff about what you shouldn't do will make a lot of sense. But is there anything that you want to drive home on what we really shouldn't do in those moments when our child is having a tantrum, which can in a way escalate them even more?
1: Absolutely. So the key is kindness is one of my other Mm -hmm. big models. So you want to keep kind. I know that's step three, but just generally have a kind energy. So you don't want to be aggressive. You don't want to shout yeah. at your kid to calm down, to relax. That hasn't in the history of anyone ever actually helped out.
2: Imagine us, right? Like I, right. it's funny to me because we talk about children and like, if me and you are having an argument or a conversation and you just say, Gosh, Mona, you just need to relax right now. Oh, okay, Chris, that sounds like a good plan. Let me just go ahead and just sit here. Like, it's so funny. Right. Oh, that thanks. Same content, right? Why didn't I think of that? Like, even adults <laughs> don't want to hear that because it's no, not helpful. It's so not I love helpful. that, yes, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, triggering sorry. for adults, it's triggering for
1: kids. So <laughs> yes, just, you know, yes. and obviously don't be cruel, you know, don't yeah. mock. I always get annoyed when I see adults, even young adults, you know, imitate a kid's crying like, like, what do you have to be so sad about? They're kids, man. Yeah. They're processing, they're learning the world. And it's not easy. And you know what? People can feel, even if you're not appreciating how they feel in that moment, they're allowed to feel. Don't make them feel dumb or unintelligent for having an emotion, even if it is out of place, because they're still in the place of learning how to have emotions, what emotions are. You know, we don't give the word anxiety to young children as something that they know they even have. A lot of people think people only have anxiety starting puberty. They have it from day one. And we don't teach little kids how to either identify that or process that properly. So they have things to be concerned about. They have fears. They have phobias. So aside from not being kind, the other thing that you don't want to do is um, you don't want to overly coddle the kid. You know, like you said, you don't want to say, okay, you don't want to endlessly ingratiate and endlessly just um, feed into what it is that they want. Absolutely. Even if you feel like, quote unquote, heart is breaking. And that's something that's very difficult for some people to overcome. Your heart won't break. It won't. And your kid will be fine. They've done research. There's no amount of crying that a toddler is going to do that's going to cause any trauma or permanent brain damage. In fact, truth is, most infants, including you and I, cry for, on average, two and a half hours every single day in our infancy. And it mm-hmm. doesn't cause any issues. So if a kid's crying really, really hard, they're okay. They just learned that if I turn up, I'm going to get what I want. And the final thing, and this is going to be very challenging as well. But again, I promise you, if you stick with it, you will be on the other side of a breakthrough. Okay. I'm I'm on a mission to turn terrible twos into transformational twos. Yeah. When a kid realizes some kids are really sharp and say, Hey, this isn't quite working. Okay. You know what I need to do? I need to turn up. And the tantrum will go from like a level five to a level seven or eight. Mm -hmm. and at that point people's internal i guess the adults amygdala are detecting a threat and say this isn't right something's wrong my child's in pain i have to give it to them this is too much it's not too much they won't break they're not going to have any sort of trauma they won't need therapy they won't even remember to be honest with you but what will happen is this moment is called an extinction burst basically it signals when the behavior is almost ready to be extinct they are trying the last it's like the swan song of that behavior unless you feed that swan. If you feed that swan, then the song gets louder next time. So instead of starting at a five and popping up to an eight, next time it's going to start at a six and pop up to a 10. And then across time, the behavior gets even more and more extreme because it kept learning, turning ups the way. That behavior is useful. First tantrum, then turn up. And that can go from simply crying and flailing to aggressive and even self-injurious behavior at times. Not always, but again, you want to just wait it out. They'll be okay. Keep them safe and wait it out and then keep going and then explain.
2: It seems so easy and I absolutely <laughs> agree with you because it is what we do as well. And like you said, it's very hard for so many. And especially if maybe we grew up with that sort of mentality that this is what we do. We shut down the crying, shut it down, shut it down. Don't cry, don't cry. And I wish my mother-in-law can listen to this. And and what you just said about the amygdala being activated, that you're like, I got to do it. I got to give the kid what they want right now. And it's like you said perfectly that what are we teaching them in that moment? It's right. so important here. And I also love Chris how you really bring it back to kindness because many times parents are afraid to do what we're talking about, which is so vital because they're afraid of their kid hating them, their kid being traumatized, their kid not feeling like they're loved, but this is love. We're teaching love. rules, we're teaching boundaries. This and is the this is this tough love part of love, like, right? Yeah, this is the exactly the tough love part of love in that you're also, I heard you say it, you're not mocking them, you're giving them space to feel but they can't do certain things and they can't have everything that they want at any given moment. And that's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I
1: just realized one thing I want to add to step two, when you're allowing your child to cry, this is very useful for the parent. Make your body small. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if your kid is, if they're on the ground, however they are, just crouch down, get as close to eye level as possible and keep a very calm and peaceful demeanor. This is going to help Reset their amygdala. Yeah. If you're standing tall and you're demonstrating, your arms are waving, you're like, come on, please stop. Yeah. That's adding to the threat detection. But if you come real small, crouch down, say, hey, hi, let me know mm-hmm. when you're ready, in a very calm, soothing NPR radio voice, you are going to. <laughs> that's, that's what you really yeah. want to tap into. <laughs> that's going to help bring them down faster. That's going to help them feel less and less threatened and shorten that duration of time. So when you allow, make your body small, get down to yeah. your eye level that helps.
2: These are all great tips, Chris. I hope to have you on another episode in the future. This was so important. And again, filled with compassion, kindness, but also child development, which is so important. Um, What would be your final message for everyone listening today?
1: Again, the key is kindness. You know, the trick to parenting is keep kind and also be firm. That's really the the work. And all behavior is going to continue as long as it's useful, good or bad, good or bad. Really, really own that statement because it's true. Those two thoughts i leave you with.
2: I love it. And tell everyone listening where people can find you, your resources and also your your website, all of
1: that. Absolutely. So you can find me at behaviorbooster.com or 101behaviorhacks.com where you can buy my book, Help Your Toddler Meet Their Milestones, 101 Behavior Hacks. You can find me on IG at either chris.lake or at Behavior Booster. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Chris Lake NYC. Reach out. If you have questions, let me know. I, I really enjoy giving people just uh, an easier pathway towards parenting. It really boils down to communication, guys, but you got to be self-aware.
2: Yes, absolutely. And Chris, it was so amazing to connect with you. I can't thank you enough for this uplifting and informative conversation. So thank you for joining us
1: cheers same here dr Moen. appreciate the platform and, time. and for
2: everyone listening i'm sure you loved this conversation i love talking to chris make sure if you like the conversation that you leave a review and rating and call out chris especially for his amazing information like i said i hope to have him on the show again and make sure to leave those reviews and i cannot wait to welcome another guest next week
0: thank you for tuning in for this week's episode as always please leave a review Share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Well, hey
2: there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.